Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors. Here at Fertility Warriors HQ, we believe in three things, grace, grit, and gratitude. We don't believe you have to be perfect to fall pregnant, but we do believe that you need to place yourself and your well-being at the top of your priority list. I'm your host, Robin Birkin. For some people, trying to conceive is a cakewalk. I was not one of those people. My journey was years in the making and included IUIs, IVF and a miscarriage, as well as many, many tears before we fell pregnant with our first child. Now I'm the author of the book, Screw Infertility, and the founder of a 12-week mind-body fertility program, the Fertility Warrior Intensive. I'm here to help you not only navigate these waters, but to help you feel like a badass in the process. My superpower? Helping Taipei women find calm, confidence, and happiness in their journey. I'm a little woo-woo, a lot straight shooter, and I swear like a sailor. Sorry, mom. I've never turned down a bowl of mashed potato, and if you like salt and pepper, mm, I think we'll get along just fine. So hit that subscribe button and tune in for tips, advice, and real talk every week. I promise you, I'm not daggy. Okay, maybe a lot daggy, but subscribe anyway. Enough small talk, let's do this thing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Fertility Warriors. So you might remember that a few weeks back, I started talking about things you should know about miscarriage and a really interesting conversation that I had with my friend, Jackie Figueres. And Jackie and I had known each other for a few years now as what you could hear the cogs turning in my brain as I was recording that podcast that actually we need to talk about these more and actually I should probably just get the expert Jackie herself to come onto the podcast and talk with us about what we need, like what no one's talking about with regard to miscarriage. So Jackie, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I think this is just an incredible topic that I'm just really excited to dive into with you. And why have we not done this sooner? I don't know. Obviously, my bad. <laughs> but can you give us first a little bit of a professional resume and then give us your trying to conceive pregnancy resume? Yep. I loved on your, um, the podcast where you mentioned me, you talked about all my different acronyms. <laughs> and then what so, is yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So my, um, my professional resume, yes. So I've been a registered nurse um, for about 18 years and half that career, I was actually with um, pediatric intensive care and neonatal intensive care. Wow. So I spent, yeah, a large part of my career was helping families when they were going through hell in their lives, right? Nobody wants to bring their kid into an ICU and nobody wants to have a baby born that goes into an ICU. So really um, did not choose a, an easy path in, in nursing, but I've always just been very drawn to helping families. And um, more recently now I work at an oncology uh, treatment, cancer treatment center as well. So again, not nothing that's lighthearted. So I have a really compassion for helping families who are struggling. And uh, that's been just such a blessing in my career because all of that professional experience has now really brought me to align with my coaching experience. And so, so really I've been a certain, yeah. An expert in shitty situations, navigating complete yeah. head fucks and dealing with a lot, like not always death, but dealing with a lot of grief and really big mm -hmm. and hard situations 
that nobody deserves in their life. Yeah, that would be a really good way of putting it on my resume <laughs> for sure. But yeah, no, um, it, it's just something um, that I feel like is just such a calling, right? And mm. so, so it's been a blessing to, to be a nurse. I find that to just, I, I was 100% a calling. And then to combine my coaching experience, right, I started becoming a coach back in 2014. And, um, that again has really just lend itself to combine my clinical expertise and my coaching skills to really provide that safe place for people. I think it's so hard to even reach out for help. And so knowing that I've seen such vulnerable sides of people, I don't think you're more vulnerable than when you're in a hospital physically and emotionally. And so I really want to create that safe space, whether it's virtually or face-to-face with someone. And that's something that my coaching skills has really um, really honed in on my professional skills and combining them. And what about your personal? Uh, yeah, so let's just pile some more shit on, right? Still, yes. <laughs> like if that wasn't enough. Um, yeah, so I had my first miscarriage back in 2012, and since had also had three more miscarriages. Um, so a total of four miscarriages, one of which was my daughter's twin. And I mentioned that because again, it was a very fucked in the head situation where how do you grieve when you're still fighting for one baby to survive? And so just created a lot of ambiguous feelings inside of me that I had to work out later. So that is why I always kind of highlight that a little bit of a difference too. Yeah. And that moment of, you know, when E was born, you want to feel really happy, but there's also Mm -hmm. probably this real sadness and grief that comes in that moment. Yeah. And since we're talking about what things that people don't talk about, even that they were like, do you want to see, did I want to see the other baby? Wow. Okay. Because there was still a sack. Mm. And so even that was just your happiest moment, right? I had lost four babies. My rainbow baby is finally here, but then it's still, being impacted by that moment too. And so, yeah, there's just so much wrapped up to it all. So that is why I'm so happy to be a part of this, Robin, and just start shedding light on some of these really uncomfortable conversations, but needed to have, right? Um, and sorry, I never get choked up in interviews and that, I don't even know why, but that's really choked me um, up. But can you talk, so was, has getting pregnant been easy for you or has it has have you had trouble getting pregnant Uh, so have you had trouble getting pregnant or has it just been Mm -hmm. a problem of staying pregnant so it ended up being both Mm. um and my fertility specialist is he pretty much said I probably had many more miscarriages that I wasn't even aware of because the originally they were happening very early um, and looking through my past. So I, it seems as though I was able to get pregnant pretty quickly, but then after each miscarriage, it took more and more and more. Um, you know, I, I did the clomid, I did the timed intercourse, which is just super romantic, right? And, you know, did all the, all the testing and all that. Um, and it, it just seemed to take a lot of, of work. And so didn't needing to go see a fertility specialist. So uh, it ended up being a, a situation for both, right? Mm. You, you have one daughter now uh, who is Earthside, but can you explain the timeline of your losses? Did that all happen after that uh, pregnancy with your twins or was it before or was it a mix? What was like, where kind yeah. of did things happen? 
Yeah. So the one I'd mentioned that was in 2012 was a first one and it was an early loss. So it was about six weeks. Um, I was just getting ready to take the test and I started bleeding and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and it was a large amount of blood and massive cramping that I had not experienced before. And so I was really not sure what to do with all of that. Right. It, it's very confusing. And the first time it happens and you're, you're keep telling yourself like, maybe it's just, I was just late and it's just heavy and maybe I was just really stressed this month. But, um, you know, knowing what I know now, it was a hundred percent losing my baby. Um, a year later, about six months after we got married, so we thought the timing was perfect. This was going to be our time. And, you know, I did the whole surprise and did the whole, you know, buying the gift for your husband and like, oh, this is going to be our family now. And at eight weeks, um, lost that baby. And that one, um, I had already done the whole positive test and done the announcement. I did go see the clinic, um, which was a horrible experience. Um, you and I talked about me wanting to punch an MA in a face. And that was the moment because um, she had not obviously read anything about me, came in, hi, oh gosh, how are you guys doing today? And as you can imagine, when you are like bleeding and cramping and, and fearfully wondering like, am I losing my baby right now? Maybe I'm not, right? You try to tell yourself like, maybe I'm not. Bleeding doesn't always mean miscarriage, but just going through those motions and having somebody come in so over the top and peppy friendly, which you generally appreciate in a doctor's office, but not when you're experiencing the most traumatic experience of your life and for the second time. And now you're starting to worry and wonder. And so that was my second loss. Um, and they didn't give me any information, just that um, there was no heartbeat, that, you know, it was eight weeks that, you know, just go home. There's nothing they could do. And just felt really confused and really lost at that point. And again, I told you guys I'm a nurse, right? So there's a lot of that, like, I should know what to do, but you don't really learn about miscarriages in, in nursing school either. It's just not anything unless you go into that world that anybody talks about. And then the third one was after IUI. So we did go see a fertility specialist and we did IUI. And so Robin and I are a lot of like type A personalities. That's why we click. And like, I'm an A++ student, right? So you, anything that that doctor told me to do, I did it to the umpteenth degree, right? And so we got pregnant on our first try of IUI, which is not that common. And so we thought again, like, this is it. We've done everything. This is lined up. And, and so now that was- a fertility specialist. It's just exactly. I've got everything on my team. Yep. And that was 2015. So this was two years later. And um, that one was awful. So I don't know how much detail you want me to go into this one. So, um, this, was, so this was the hardest one. Let's give this as, look, there's going to be a lot of people who want to know, but let, if you don't want us to go into details, skip ahead like 15 minutes or tune out to this episode, but let's have like, let's have a discussion about this because okay. I think uh, the, the more people, you know, I've talked to we, you and I have talked about my yeah. experience of my miscarriage. Yeah. So, and I, I don't think I've ever really mentioned it. So let's talk about it. Okay. So the third miscarriage and it's taken me years to even really get into the detail of this one. And so with that one again, IUI, yes. So we got the first ultrasound. There was a sac. Things were looking okay. Um, and then my, my betas or HCG levels, my blood level started dipping. And so we kind of thought, oh, shit, this can't be happening again, right? 
So we go in at about the eight week ultrasound and the baby hasn't grown at all completely as they call it stalled, which is like, it's not a car, right? It's just so, even that terminology and just so insensitive. And so at that point we, uh, we were going to stop taking all of our fertility medications. The baby wasn't growing anymore. And so we're like, okay. And again, just, this is like the mindset when you're desperately just trying so hard to hang on to any hope. And so I went home the next day, I called the doctor and I said, I want to try my meds for another week. It's just so desperate. Like what if the baby would catch up again? Mm. What if the baby would grow again? Right. And so went back a week later and you know, there was no hope. And so, um, you know, for anybody who's gone through this, you have a couple different options. And so we chose to do the medication route, which Bob and you and I have talked about. So they, they can give you different medications um, to decide if you want to do that, or you can go home and, and try to let it naturally happen. Well, I thought, well, gosh, my body has not been able to hold on to a baby before thinking that this was going to happen. Like in the next few days, we decided to just go home and a week went by and I'm still having every pregnancy system. So you talk about a mind fuck, right? I mean, my body feels hundred percent like it's pregnant and another week goes by and I know that I'm not carrying a live baby at this point. And another week goes by and I'm just like, I was so angry. I was so angry with my body that now when I wanted to be able to release this, I couldn't. Right. And so by the fifth week, I was like, I can't take this. My husband and I went and talked to the fertility specialist. And so we went the medication route. Uh, so, you know, gave pills, came home, and he told me two to three hours, get ready. You'll have a really bad period. It's so not a really bad period. <sighs> no, if you guys could see my face and my eyes, you would understand like, wow. Yeah. So about three hours later uh, was in the worst pain of my life. Um, and as you and I, Robin, have talked about, so, and this is not to scare anybody. And I, this is why I have a hard time sharing it sometimes because I don't want it to scare people, but I just want people to know if that's an option that you're ever given to be way more prepared, to know that it's going to be very painful. It's going to be a lot of blood and it's going to be really like really scary. You're not going to know what's going on and, and you need to have somebody with you. Um, you know, as Rob and I talked about, I was so weak and just like so confused and, and my husband was helping me get to and from the bathroom. And it was just, it was just a really horrible, really horrible experience. And, and Rob, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about, you know, what you and I were talking about too, and your experience was. I, I was alone. So that mm. was a bit of a mistake for me. And I was just so off. I thought that something had gone horribly wrong and I was actually dying I had such sweats my whole body was saturated and I felt so nauseous at the same time and I just thought to myself like here I am alone in my house is this it like what is going on and I don't think I I can't really remember but I don't know if there how much blood there was like there was definitely a big surge of blood but then you just don't know is that it is it is that it like is right. it? and for me like I kept I wanted to know this sounds very graphic I wanted to know what I was passing mm -hmm. and I just kept being like is that my baby like what is what am I losing and we were told at the time that 
my so my progesterone levels were something in the vicinity of 70 times like 70 times what they should have been for a pregnant woman and so the doctor said your body's progesterone levels aren't going to drop for weeks by Mm. that time you will be well beyond like essentially the first trimester your Mm -hmm. body will keep trying to fuel this and you'll be growing bigger and he was like it's up to you like you can wait or you can and there's sometimes there's a part of me it was like maybe I should have just waited another week but then Mm -hmm. you know we made the decision there's never a wrong decision we went in for multiple tests it wasn't just once and they went man that hcg isn't great we did do follow-up um and so at some point you have to just always trust that you are making the right decision but I wasn't prepared. And this is what essentially what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Why didn't someone tell me that this would be God awful? Yeah. Full disclosure, it didn't last that long. I called the clinic at midday and said, by the way, I think something's gone horribly wrong. I actually think I'm dying. And they said, give it till one o'clock and then come in. And at something like 1245, mm-hmm. it, everything kind of, you know, like it, the storm ended and I fell asleep um because I was exhausted and so but essentially what happened was probably fairly normal had I have had I had been given the choice yes I would have still taken the same choice Mm -hmm. right I I personally I'm like why did no one tell you because your project like if you've been taking progesterone like your body is not going to want to release your pregnancy straight away so it just comes back to not like us trying to scare anyone but I think us having a realistic expectation that it's much everything is much easier if you know what to expect and you are given some information about what to expect you know, mm-hmm. you should have someone with you to support you through this and ask for pain medications and just be prepared that, and everybody does react differently. So Robin, I love that your situation is different from mine. So mine, I bled a lot in for over several days. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for some people it does take one day, but again, it would just be nicer to have those details written out, those details explained, those details talked about, um, so that you can be so much more prepared so that it isn't so scary. So you aren't calling your doctor and saying, I think I'm dying, right? We can laugh about it now, but it's horrible in the moment because you really aren't like, and like with you, I was looking in the toilet too. And I'm like, is that it? And for us, it was like 13 weeks at that point. And so I'm just like, I don't know what, you know, what am I looking at? And do I even want to look at it? And it's just, it's so, it's so confusing really. And you're also like a trainer within hospitals as well. So you also train people on how to do all sorts of different things. Empathic communication uh, is one of them. And so as a nurse, were you just a little bit like, you know what, this is fucked up. I might've been a lot like that. Yes. <laughs> that might be what drives a lot of my coaching program. And I, there are phenomenal providers out there. So I, I'm not saying that there's, you know, anything negative about providers, but one, one aspect that has really rubbed me the wrong way, as you and I've talked about is how women are treated during miscarriages and postpartum in couples in general. Right. So at all involved, um, is that there's just not enough information. You're just kind of left to go home and figure it out. And I think that's total bullshit. I, I would get an entire 
that packet if I have a knee surgery of what to do when I go home. But when I'm losing a baby, I don't even get one, one handout that tells me what to expect. Yeah. I think that's just so, it's so crazy when you think about it. And we see a lot of women who sort of graduate from their fertility clinic where we're so, I'm so used to going in every day or every second day. And then it's like, you've had one ultrasound. Bye. See you later. Right. See you in a couple of weeks and you're like, wait, a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, but here they go. They just are like, bye, enjoy. And then oh. you're left to your own devices for when you can potentially get in to see an OBGYN or someone like yeah. that supporting you anymore. And then there's like a four week wait of, especially yes. if you've experienced a loss before, like, oh, fuck, I'm not like, no, don't leave me. Like, can I just have an ultrasound once a week? Or it's like, you know, you've, there's a lot of like sometimes trauma or even not like whether you it's trauma or just traumatic experiences mm-hmm. that need to be unpacked. So we're talking today about, sorry. So then if we continue, so your next pregnancy was your twin pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so that third one, as you can imagine, you know, medically inducing and just, the being pregnant, but not having a baby alive. I mean, my mind was rocked. I couldn't function at that point. And then what I realized was that I hadn't really agreed with the previous two losses either. So I had to take a little break and had to really figure out what the hell I was going to do. Cause we didn't know if we were going to try again. Cause that is just really, really hard on us. And my husband actually was really, really sick at that time too. So while I was miscarrying our third, I had to drive him to the ED. He was admitted. And so as I'm like running around the hospital trying to keep up with him, he's being admitted because he can't breathe. Mm. So um, it was just a really, really difficult time. So, uh, and what he had was called Valley Fever, which is only really known, like I live in Arizona. It's only known in like the Southwest area and desert land. So, um, so most people know about that, but anyhow, so it was just a lot that we had gone through. And it was just like, I didn't even get a chance to care of myself. I was so busy now focusing on him, making sure he was going to be okay and come home from the hospital. And so it wasn't until a couple months later that I was like, I need to take care of me. And if we're going to try again, or if we're going to do something again, like I've got to change something with me. So I, I took a month, started doing a ton of research about mind body connection as you and I connected on so much about the neuro aspect of it. I mean, became like obsessed with it, became obsessed with grief, compounded grief, which is what I realized I was having because I hadn't dealt with the previous um, PTSD which was so weird to me because I'm like, no, that's only for, you know, military people and like people who have been abused and like gone through so much. Like, I feel like society just kind of poo-poos it. I don't know if that's a good word, but it kind of just doesn't really shed light on it. And so I was like, I don't know if that's real or not. And, but, um, so worked on my mental state a lot. Um, you know, and that was Christmas time. So talk about just like, we kind of just hated life at that time, but, Um, I got a gift from a friend who had gone through infertility and I'm sharing this because this is really what did it for us. And it was a little pendant and it said, be brave enough to try again. Mm. And I still get chills and I thank her to this day. And so we felt like that was just a sign. So we decided to try one last time for IUI and didn't feel any symptoms, swore I wasn't pregnant, didn't feel anything like I had before. And then when we got the ACG, we were pregnant with twins. And it was crazy. And 
So it's, so we talk, I talk about symptoms a lot too in my program about how people get obsessed with symptoms and how they don't mean anything in their They just mess up your mind so much because the time that I was actually pregnant for the longest time, I didn't feel like I did any of the other pregnancies. And so I, I know it's just like, you have to just let go of like the obsession with the symptoms and all that. Um, but yeah, so it was really exciting. We knew that one of the babies was a little bit smaller, but we got to see both their heartbeats and just knowing that we could have twins when we weren't even sure we were going to try again. And so they would be siblings. Uh, it's just, uh, we just were unbelievably excited. And at about probably nine weeks, um, the other baby's growth was really slowing down. So at that point, um, we knew it probably wasn't going to survive. And then at 13 weeks, there was no longer a heartbeat. So, um, so that was again, just uh, like, really frustrating, right? So uh, really disappointing, uh, really hard just knowing that mm, I had lost another child. And at that point we were, you know, 13 weeks. So there still wasn't a guarantee that we're going to be able to have our other baby too. So just so much work had to go into to doing everything to save this baby too. And like, just when is it, when will it stop is kind of what I was thinking at that point. I literally just can't imagine. And the bittersweet moment of Mm -hmm. giving birth and then a year on from that moment, deciding whether to expand your family again, what, what was that process? Did you feel like you had the energy to try again or were you just like, you know what? Shit's fucked up here. So after I had my daughter, mm-hmm. yeah. So we decided that when she turned one year, we were going to see our fertility specialist again, just to see what the options were. And Did you have any answers at this point as to? Oh, um, I had autoimmune disorder. And so I was actually on heparin and IV lipids. And um, I actually talk about this a lot. I did 782 injections in less than 12 months <laughs> trying to have a family. And I didn't actually do IVF. So that's a lot of injections for someone who did not do IVF as well, because there is a lot of misconception that when you do IUI, you don't always do injections and miscarriages. You don't always need injections, but 782 shots. So yeah. (laughs) So um, I had a lot of trauma from that too. So if if anyone has done heparin injections, they can leave some pretty massive welts and they can be really painful. And I had been on that for a long time. So knowing that I would have to go through that again, was actually going to be really hard. Like I can remember May 13th was the last shot. Like (laughs) I will never forget that date of 2016 because I was just so done with those injections. Um, So yeah, so we decided at that year appointment that uh, it was going to be too much. We went and found out all the issues. I, I also didn't mention, but when I was pregnant with the twins for the first eight weeks, I was on bed rest. I had an ovarian torsion. So I had emergency surgery at that time. Um, So they were able to save the ovary. And thankfully I met the most amazing OB who saved both the babies at that time too, because nobody believes that I was pregnant because I was so early. So they kept trying to scan me and they kept thinking it was just an ectopic pregnancy. And um, yeah, so that was like another traumatic experience. Um, So that's why I'm like really passionate about this because it would like, for us, it was just like, my God, like seriously, people, like, can we just have things go smoothly. But so after a year and and knowing that I was going to have to be on bed rest again, like there was no way they could prevent 
my ovaries from getting massively large again from the hormones. I just really hyper respond to them. We just counted our blessings and said, one is perfect for us. This is our family. We have our four babies in heaven that'll always be part of our family, but our earth side baby is perfect. She's healthy. And like, we are just so thankful and appreciative and we know not everybody gets that. And so, you know, we were able to say, okay, I can't say I never get triggered. It took me a long time to work through twins. Um, twins used to be a huge trigger of mine, but um, years later now, really, really, really happy with our choices and our decisions and, and all the work that I put into being able to say these things and be able to come on a show like this and talk about experiences mm -hmm. that were the most horrific, most devastating experiences of my life to this day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I'm, I feel like miscarriage and loss and grief looks different on everyone mm -hmm. and different miscarriages physically are different, emotionally are different. I saw an Instagram reel that you wrote the other day where you said, what losses count as a miscarriage mm -hmm. they all do like and it's just there's just it's really hard territory to navigate isn't it absolutely and absolutely and yeah I talk about that a lot because I think one of my like oh those questions when you talk about like, what are the questions that just pissed you off when you miscarried and it was how far along were you and I was like why the fuck does it matter if I was six weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks should I feel differently like I just, oh, it still, I've, if you could see my face, it like still just irks me because it's like, why does it matter, right? So to me, there's, there's the loss of whether you thought it was a baby or whether it was the loss of thinking you were expanding your family or the loss of having a large family, you know, loss is loss as you and I always talk about. And, and I, I, and part of that real was like, throw out those labels. Who cares if it was, you know, I hate the chemical pregnancy or, you know, an early miscarriage or just all the different terms that are used. Like it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. What matters is, is how you feel about it. Hmm. And that's what I just really want to emphasize is if you're feeling bad, then that's okay. And if you're not feeling bad, that's okay too. And as a healthcare provider mm -hmm. and somebody who is firmly qualified to discuss loss in many ways, what are we not talking about? Can you give me a couple of things that we're just like, you know, we've already talked about, no one's talking about yeah. how physically fucked up medical miscarriage can be. Um, you know, nobody's talking about a loss is a, well, but some people might be talking about, you know, a loss mm -hmm. is a loss. doesn't matter how far along it was. doesn't matter, you know, like how you're grieving. Because for me, like, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel connected Mm -hmm. to my baby as such but I felt I was completely derailed by my miscarriage and I grieved just the loss of the opportunity that I had worked so hard to try and create a family and essentially had a medical miscarriage which was the opposite ending a pregnancy was not what I wanted right. having a successful pregnancy was what I wanted um and I suppose even that wording is a little bit fucked up as well but what are we not truly discussing or talking about? You know, we're going to have, we're having this big honest and real discussion about miscarriage. What do we need to talk about that we're not talking about enough? Um, 
I'm going to say, hopefully this is okay, but I'm going to say the healthcare support. I think that is the, the, yeah, the really big part of this is, and, and again, I am a nurse. I work in a hospital. I worked in clinics and, and I, I know what everybody is going through. And it's unfortunately a little bit societal. It's unfortunately a little bit insurance driven. It's unfortunately productivity driven, right? Like there's metrics that an organization has to meet at the end of the day, it's a business. And that's what's so shitty is that it is a business. And they have to keep their doors open, but no matter how compassionate they try to be, there's never enough time for mm-hmm. a provider to go into these sort of conversations and to provide this intense support, which is why you have therapists and psychologists and coaches and people who are out there to really give you that support because that's what is not ever talked about, right? When you go back and see your doctor, they're not like, so after that last really shitty ultrasound, like, how'd you cope with that? (laughs) You know, it's usually not a conversation. They might ask, how are you? But that's just a blanket statement, right? They never really sit down and really ask those questions that get to, how are you coping? Are you emotionally ready to try again? Yes, we are at a time and there is a time to start your IVF cycle and there's a time to do your retrieval, there's a time to do IUI, but are you emotionally ready? Just because physically everything is lined up, is this the right time? And I think that is what is missing so tremendously. Oh, and even with infertility, I talk all the time about, I, which I didn't know at the time, but I had a client who was on 24 hour watch because she was that emotionally distraught yet her fertility clinic were just like let's do the next cycle now no like you can't there has to be this is not just you know numbers and pushing people through we really do need to make sure that people are and even you know not just emotionally ready but truly physically ready for not you know another pregnancy I still feel that I probably had Olivia at about when Chloe was about a a year old and three months Mm -hmm. after that was when I fell pregnant and I still for me physically I Chloe didn't sleep through the night till 19 months so I was on Mm -hmm. and when she was 12 months old I was up like eight times a night I was not I had not physically recovered right and so when we look at miscarriage and loss they're like Oh, give it three months and you'll be back on the wagon. Not everyone is back on the wagon physically. Right. You you might be at the bare minimum, but we haven't always recouped everything that this loss may have taken from us. So I think that emotionally, yes, let's not get us back on the wagon, but also physically. Yeah. Yeah. And when I said physically, I meant like they're looking at your tests, right? And they're looking at your numbers. They're like, let's go. And so something I always tell my, my clients and anybody that I, I talk to is like, just remember, you always have a choice. Mm. You have a choice on your journey. You have a choice in your next step just because the option is there. And I think sometimes that's the hardest decision to make is to not jump on that option. Mm-hmm. Us saying no to putting everything into having another child when almost everybody I know through infertility has a second one um, in my mind, right? That's the, the story that I tell myself when we were going through this. Um, but at the end of the day, it had to be right for us. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, so much I think is that I, I want to always give permission to people to, to it's, that, it's their choice what the next step is. If they want to do the next one, go for it. If they're not sure, 
pause, take a moment, listen to yourself first, because you know what you're capable of. Nobody else can tell you that you're ready. No one else can tell you, just go for it, right? Like you know when you're not ready. And so I just really want people to honor themselves and listen to that inner voice as much as possible. And what are we not telling people about recurrent pregnancy loss? Yeah, that I'm so, um, it's like, I'm not happy, but I am grateful that this terminology is coming out more and more um, because, you know, even just five or six years ago when I was going through it, I don't feel like anybody was talking about it at all. I didn't even know what to search, right? So uh, with recurrent pregnancy loss, I think the one thing that I've been hopeful in reading and something that I like to share a lot is that when you have recurrent pregnancy loss, hope is not all gone, right? So there's a statistic that everybody talks about, it talks about recurrent pregnancy loss, is that you know you have a 70 to 80% chance of having a normal healthy pregnancy, that just because you're having recurrent pregnancies doesn't mean that you're always going to lose your baby. And so that's, again, where you're empowering yourself and you're asking those questions and you're saying, what's wrong? I didn't have anything that was classically on the infertility list but I had a doctor who really looked outside of the box and focused on healthcare professionals and finding out that a lot of healthcare professionals have hyperactive immune systems from being exposed to everything under the sun. And I worked with kids. So you talk about being in a germ pool. <laughs> I mean, so, so my, my body was just super hyperactive. So they had to deplete my immune system because my immune system was actually attacking my babies as though they were foreign. Mm. And so it wasn't like something that was specifically in one of the categories, but I kept asking the question. And I, being a nurse, that was the one thing that I am grateful for, even though I felt really dumb and really ashamed and like, why don't I know better? I at least knew better that anyone needed to keep asking questions. And that's a blessing to my background. And that's something else I focus on a lot is never be afraid to ask questions, to keep asking questions, to you know trying to see if there is anything else that can be done. Um, not that there has to be something done, but always asking those questions because you just never know. So I have one more question before we get to the speed round. Jackie, women who have experienced one or more losses, what do we need to give ourselves permission for? A whole hell of a lot, truly. Um, But if I could pick one thing, Oh gosh, it's really hard to pick one thing. It really is. The number one thing I think is that it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think people in general, everyone has a hard time asking for help and whatever that help might look like to you. So whether it's having a person with you or having resources by your side or, or ha- you know, just whatever that looks like, but not being afraid to ask for help because that can be so life-changing in every aspect of the things we've talked about, whether it's grieving, whether it's making a decision, whether it's taking care of yourself. I think that's so crucial. Like I said, I could list about five things right now, but that's probably the number one thing I would say. You can, you can tell us more if you want to. Well, um, I would say permission to grieve, permission mm-hmm. to not be okay, permission to have those really shitty days, and that's okay. And permission to not have to be positive and not have to focus on gratitude. Gratitude is amazing, but when you're going through trauma, gratitude is not the answer until you've worked through some of that, right? And then you can really focus on gratitude. So it's just giving yourself the time and space, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, I could keep going on and on. <laughs> permission is so big and I think we've talked about that a lot too absolutely so 
Jackie, talk to us about where people can find you, where you're most active and what you have going on so that if people want to know more about whether it's your story, whether it's Mm -hmm. Jackie, the healthcare provider who can talk about the physical and medical stuff, whether Mm -hmm. it's Jackie, the coach who can talk about the emotional recovery and all of those other things that we need to know, talk, talk to us about where we can find you. Well, I love how you just said that because something that I would do with my clients is they would ask me a question and I immediately would say, do you want nurse Jackie or coach Jackie? Because I can give a clinical answer or I can give the help you work through it. Right. So what do you need right now? (laughs) So it's really funny that you actually mentioned that because that is what I do. So, yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram and again, at Jackie Figueres. Um, So that's where I'm posting, like you said, the reels and videos and posts and all that. And you can direct message me if you want to know anything more about me. That's really the fastest way is through Instagram. And then I'm getting ready to launch the roadmap to recovery program, which I am really excited about. So it's not a new program, but it's a program that I revamped to make it much more accessible to everyone. And so really, really excited about that. That's going to be launching um, in April. And so there'll be a lot more information coming up about that. So if you go to JackieFigueres.com, and I know Robin will put my name in there because it's not an easy name to spell or even say, (laughs) but once you get it, that's how you find me everywhere. So I have a lot of details in there, more of my stories in my site as well. Um, I have a lot of different posts as well too, and even support in there to help family and friends. So I know that that's always the most common question I think I, I get is, a friend of mine just just told me, Jackie, that you know they just lost their baby. What do I say? What do I do? And so I do offer a lot of that support too, because I think that's such a responsibility in advocacy as well as trying to help other people know how to support women and couples when they're going through this. So are you ready for the speed round? Oh gosh, I think so. <laughs> well, I feel so pressured when I do this. Okay. So. <laughs> but I'm doing it anyway. Um, can you yeah. give us like an affirmation or quote that you love? Uh, well, if anybody knows me, I love affirmations. There was something I really, really became so fond of. It was something that really worked well for me. And I, I look in the mirror, I'm like, world girl, I look in the mirror, I say them out loud. Um, so one that I'm saying right now today is every day I'm learning to love myself more. Oh, I love that one. Yep. Do you have a book that you recommend everyone reads? Yes, and I read a lot, but I think the book that's been the most impactful, especially during my trauma and journey, was The Gifts of Imperfection by the amazing Brene Brown. But it talks so much about wholehearted living and breaking down limiting beliefs. And if you know anything by Brene Brown, it's amazing. But this book was pretty life-changing for me. Do you have a life hack or like even just, you know, when we're going through a loss even, Mm -hmm. kind of like a mantra or something like a go-to thing that we can do, some kind of give us a, for sure. So it kind of goes along with this, you know, seeking help, but it would be to say yes. So (laughs) when people ask you, is there anything I can do for you? What do we always say? no, it's okay. Thanks for the offer. Right. And my thing is yes. Have people come over, let them fold that laundry. Don't worry about what your underwear looks like or your bras or any of that. Just accept support. Have people drop off food. Just anything that allows you to take care of yourself during that time. And really any point in your time is learning just to say yes more to help. 
um, it, people want to do something and they want to help. So it's a two-way street where you're going to feel like, oh, thank God I had that help. And then the person who's helping is like, oh, I was able to do something for them. I feel so helpless. So it's, it's, it's really a two-way thing too, but that would be my, my number one. I don't know if it's a hack, but it's a really, really helpful piece of advice too. <laughs> it really is. And I always say, I remember once I said to my friend, as I was on my way to her house, I just said, mm-hmm. write me out your shopping list. I'm going to the grocery shop on my way <laughs> to your house. What are you? And she, you know, if people are like, oh no, we should be good. Listen, I'm going there. So no drama to just give me your list. And then, yeah, same thing. I always see myself as the food bringer, like mm-hmm. not bringing the morning tea. I'm bringing you dinner to just reheat tonight. Yes. So I want to be that person. That's the person that I want to be. I always think of myself as like the fabulous auntie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you really want to do that. And that's what I'm trying to like, let people know, like, no, people really want to, and like, trust me, the less you have to go out in public during that initial time, because of the physical stuff that we've talked about, but then also you never know what you're going to see. And like, I don't want to be in the grocery store and then seeing a mom with her baby in the grocery store. So if someone's willing to run to the store, I mean, gosh, please let them. I love that you do that, Robin. Yeah. Um, now last, last question you had something that you could scream from the rooftops, like a message that you just want everyone to know, dish it out. You ask good questions. So I would scream for the rooftops. I think this is applicable to no matter where you're at in your journey, but I would scream, you are worthy. Mm. So you are worthy of anything and everything that you're hoping for right now in your life. And I would scream that over and over and over and over again and shake people and (laughs) help them believe that. Because it took me many years to believe that. And that's just really near and dear to me. Jackie, I cannot believe that it has taken us so long to chat. No. (laughs) Um, But I know that there are going to be so many people who are just so grateful for this very real and honest conversation that we've had about uh, miscarriage and loss, what people aren't talking about today, because the more that we can help people feel like they're normal, they're human, Mm -hmm. uh, that they're supported is going to, you know, always going to help. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robin. And to anyone out there um, who's listening, who is struggling right now, Uh, definitely a huge, I'm so sorry for what you're going through and that there are so many people like Robin and myself. So even if I don't resonate with you, there are so many people out there who do. And I just want you to continue to, to know that there is hope to know that there is so much more ahead of you in your life and to keep taking that one step forward and reaching out for help whenever you need it. Folks, that is our episode for today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I know that we've been pretty heavy at times but thank you for sticking with us until the end and I really can't wait to chat with you next week thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the fertility warriors you know that I love chatting with you every single week If you like this podcast, please make sure you go ahead and subscribe and share it with anyone, be it on your Instagram or your other socials to let them know that this has been helpful for you too and that it might be helpful for them. 
please make sure also that you give us a five star rating and I would love, love, love a review. They always make my day and they help other people find the podcast. So it kind of helps the search engine juices or the internet juices push this podcast out to other people when there are a number of ratings and reviews. And if you feel like infertility is starting to get the best of you and your emotions are starting to get a bit wonky, then make sure you check out my new mini program, Warrior Rising. Head to robinburkin.com slash rise and check it out. It's a five-day mini mindset transformation and it will definitely help pick up your mood, help you feel calmer and help you feel more in control of your journey. Head to robinburkin.com slash rise to find out more about my new program, Warrior Rising. Warrior Rising.